back at the best of Saturday's racing from around the country and examining the big talking points of the day. This is Pass the Post. Good morning everyone and welcome to Pass the Post for Sunday the 18th of April. We have passed the post for Saturday the 17th of April, the second day of the championships at Royal Ram. We're going to get an outstanding day of racing. I don't know where you're listening this morning, but if you're in Brisbane, you've got a picture-perfect morning. It's a wonderful day. Now, my co-host, you know him as a, a recent panellist uh, joining Press Room, but he's coming to the Sunday Man Cave for the first time. It's his day, well, not, not his debut performance on Pass the Post, but... Is debut as a co-host with me. Morning, Ben Norris. Morning, David. Uh, I'm actually first up for four years. I, I had a look up. Last time I was on here was 2017. So I've been to Melbourne for, for three of those years. So, I, look, I might be a little bit rusty uh, first up for four years. But if I get invited back, which I probably won't, I think second up will be better. Do you like my digs here? You're yeah, happy with look, where you are at? It's sensational. It's much better than the old Albion studio, <laughs> I'm going to say. I might just uh, put my feet up and hang around here for the day, to be honest. Yeah, the views are great. Look, uh, we'll swing into uh, the, the championships. And, of course, plenty happening at Eagle Farm. We're getting close to the carnival here in Brisbane. We're getting close to the carnival in Adelaide as well. And they had a terrific car with group at listed races yesterday but first and foremost let's go to royal ramwick and let's go to the biggie the queen elizabeth and very elegant was the favorite and she was at two dollars thirty at the 600 metres, Dallas Ann in front from a day. She starts a run very elegant, rolling up on the outside of Mawunga. Mugger 2 boxed up on the inside, so Dragon A tracks the mare and think it over as the field really starts to bunch. He goes full bore and a day. Very elegant circled the field and now very elegant moved up to a day. They beat off Dallas Ann. Two further back to Sir Dragon A. It's a day. He's fighting. Very elegant the outside. She's trying her hardest. It's a day and very elegant in a ripping finish. A Dave's lifting. He fends off very elegant and Dallas Ann. And a Dave goes back to back. The beast of Britain's done it. A day by three quarters to very elegant. Dallas Ann third. Then think it over from Sir Dragon A. Mugger two. And Mawunga was last in. Yeah, the beast from Britain or the British Bulldog, whatever you like to call him. He was back at his fighting best there at Dave. Turning the tables on very elegant after the Tancred. And the leader, Dallas Ann, in third position. I'm a hard marker, but I actually found the Tancred actually more gripping than yesterday, only because of this. In the, in the Tancred, very elegant got there, and Adabe had to fight back, and we know he can do it. But yesterday, when Adabe had it over very elegant at the top of the strat, I didn't think she was ever going to pick him up. Yeah, it was an interesting one, uh, wasn't it? Tom Marquand sees the initiative, didn't he, really? Um, you know, that horse was sort of slow away and, and uh, could have been in a really sticky spot. And it's quite, um, it's unbelievable, really. It was only this time last year that the New South Wales Jockeys Association and the jockeys down there were really kicking up, uh, effectively, to ban international jockeys from yeah. riding at the carnival. Now, I think Tom Marquand's uh, spreading the word almost. I mean, clearly the, the horses as well, but sp spreading the word of Australian racing. Imagine all the, uh, the English racing lovers that would have watched that race yeah. yesterday. So I think he's, he's a terrific addition to the carnival. I'd love to come and see him ride in Sydney full-time, to be honest. He's very popular. It was actually he who suggested the blinkers, and you're right. He, the horse was slow away, but he didn't he didn't panic. This is the sign of the man's riding ability. He just allowed him to creep forward, and all of a sudden, as he was creeping forward, putting himself in the controlling position outside of Dallas, said, very elegant, not suited by the slow speed, was getting shuffled back. So 
Uh, but I think, in fairness, McDonald, James McDonald said that he had his chance, the best horse one on the day, but she was, you know, of course, very good. Yeah, I think so. And uh, a fair old training performance from uh, a bloke who's training effectively by remote control from the yeah. other side of the world. One on the, the same race on, a, on, I think, a heavy eight or a heavy nine the year before. There was plenty that doubted uh, that he could do it on a good track. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, was all on as a day, wasn't it? The good the track was a good four yesterday, but there was certainly a little little bit of give in it. But the thing, the other factor about this race was it was a very slowly run Queen Elizabeth. Dallasan got there, set up shop, but they were the two thousand metres in two five oh five. You'd run that. You'd <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I I'm couldn't, as, but you you could run. Oh, that. I'm as fat as a fool these days. Listen, what do we make just quickly of Sir Dragon A? Oh, look, dropping back four hundred metres. I think you know he, he was wasn't in it really, was he? I, mean, I actually thought he was over the odds before the race, but didn't really follow much of a shot. Uh, interesting. Again, probably just on Sir Dragon A and, and maybe nearly every runner in the race, there was one point in the straight where I know Adair was, was controlling it, a very elegant look, the obvious danger, but they were in a clump and in the end they finished in a clump, two and a half lengths first to last, and that again highlights the fact that they went slowly and they sprinted home sub-35. Dallas had hung on very well. What about I was... Shouldn't give give people up, but I, I, I was thinking... But you will anyway. <laughs> well, I, I was trying to get Dallas out here for the Stradbroke, see, and uh, and then I got a, uh, some news uh, from an intermediary that uh, Leon uh, is uh, going to run to the Queen Elizabeth. I said, oh, please. <laughs> I noticed yesterday, I actually had to go to the book to see that Dallas by running third, earned 395000 So, Leon, good morning, and we know who the mug is, and it ain't you, and it never is. But uh, no, he was he was good, Dallas. Look, I think they were all good to an agreement. Sir Dragon A, um, you know, probably a victim of the slow tempo. He was respectable. He's only been the length and a half. Yeah, and look, I think that uh, I take your point about the tank crib, but I think uh, two great horses, and I think we can mm. call those two horses great horses now, very elegant in a day. Them going head-to-head, which effectively uh, they have done the last two times, really gets the, the, the blood pumping, doesn't oh. it? And brings new fans to the sport. People people just really get up and about. It's all, it's not a match race, but it's two heavyweight boxes almost, isn't it? Sparring, sparring blows. People love that sort of racing, I reckon. Since we've had the championships, this race is really cementing itself. I mean, and, and it, it, it depends on what's delivered, uh, what you get. But, you know, we've had the Wings phenomenon and now we've had uh, this uh, a day very elegant clash. So it's really cemented its position as, you know, there's several Group 1s, but it is one of the Group 1s of the Group 1s. Yeah, well, I think I said on uh, Sky Racing, I think, the other day, it's quite incredible to think. I mean, this you could not think of this race without thinking of Winks. It was synonymous mm. with Winks, but yet only a few years later... Uh, of course, we all remember Winks winning the, the Queen Elizabeth, but you know, arguably, it's a more thrilling race. You know, in some ways, without her, I mean, she clearly captivated the whole of Australia. These horses, these two horses, probably don't. Um, but oh, I got up and about for that much uh, that race yesterday, just as much as I probably did um, when Winks was running. Yeah, well, I, I did a, uh, an editorial on press room a few weeks ago, and I said people forget sometimes. Horse racing is actually about horses racing, racing each other. And, I mean, you, you have these these rare occurrences like the, the Wings phenomenon, the Black Caviar phenomenon. We've been privileged to see that twice over the last decade. But I think the the, the general racing bloke or lady, they love a, a clash and, and they got that in, delivered in spades over the last two weeks. Yeah, they love, a, they love a blue. And I reckon you and I have got to have a blue at some point, haven't we? We've got to. We haven't had one yet. It's surely coming. Uh, no, my modus operandum, not operandi, David Dewis, if you're listening, I've got that right. My modus operandum is um, 
I'll criticise you once you've put the phone down or walked out <laughs> yeah. of the studio. That's my, I'll, I'll watch it, for the knife in the back. It works well for me. <laughs> Look, the Queen Elizabeth wasn't the only group one. Let's go. We'll go to the next one. And this is a this is a special win, uh, not necessarily for the horse, but certainly for the jockey. Let's have a listen to the Sydney Cup over two miles. It's game on now, turning for home. Sacramento under siege from Chapada, Southern France, and Salino rounds them up on the outside, and Salino makes the move a long way out, draws two lengths clear. Rondinella's coming out of the pack, then Southern France down the outside. Miami bound running on, getting past sound. It's Salino in front. Rondinella's a length away. Salino from Rondinella. They're clearing the Sydney Cup. Salino kept going from Rondinella, and Salino takes it out. Salino by a length in the cup. Beat Rondinella, Miami bound a third, a gap back to She's Ideal and Realm of Flowers, further back to the Chosen One, then Good Idea, Southern France, further back to Sound Sacramento, then Spirit Ridge, and a big gap back to Favourite Moon has pulled up sharply together with Hush Rider and Chapada was last in. Another Group 1 for the Chris Wallace stable. No surprises there. Surprise, I suppose, maybe to, to putters, $26 was Salino. But what about the, uh, the this, this racing world? The, the jockey flopped into third in a long-distance maiden at Ipswich on Friday on a horse called Dutch Delight. His very next ride was in the Sydney Cup at Group 1 level, which he won. The man's name is Ron Stewart, and we're so pleased that he can join us this morning on Pass the Post. Ron, good morning and congratulations. Thanks a lot, eh? Thanks. What about, um, and as I said, it's amazing, isn't it? 24 hours, you go from an Ipswich maiden to a Sydney Cup. Tell us, just give us the background to how this ride came about. Okay, probably a week and a half, even a little bit uh, before that. I had a phone call from Richie Callender, who sort of used to help out a bit as a kid, um, just to see if I could write the 50 and if I'd be interested, um, if he can put my name forward. And I sort of jumped at the opportunity. And... Look, leading into the race, we were sort of on the horse, we were off the horse. Um, I think sort of what sealed the deal was I could ride the 50 kilos. And, yeah, from there, um, that's basically how it eventuated. Ron, it was sort of back to the future for you, wasn't it? You were the champion apprentice in Sydney in 2002-2003. You know, you walked into the room as, a, as an Adelaide kid back then. There was guys like Darren Beeman. You know, Jimmy, Larry, Cassidy, you know, I think Lenny Beasley, Brian, York. So, you know, it, it was sort of, uh, you sounded very unflappable when I spoke to you last week. It's not, you know, even though you were chasing your first Group 1 win in Australia, uh, it was familiar sort of surroundings for you, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I thought it was until I, uh, I rocked up at Ascot Street and couldn't find my way into the jockey's <laughs> room. It's certainly not what I remember. Now it's been redone. But... <laughs> Once I got in there and saw a lot of the boys, um, look, I've known them for a long time. I've ridden a lot, uh, a lot with most of them there. Um, yeah, it was certainly nice to get back there. And you said to me last week, you said, look, I look at riding uh, in a Group 1 race as just riding in another race until you win one, as in you have, you know, you've won elite races overseas. But, but it felt like just another race to you until you win one. Now you have won one. Uh, run us through that. Does it feel different now? Yeah, definitely. Um, when I pulled up, I sort of had to give myself a little bit of time, not only to get my breath back because he, he pulled so hard through the run, but just to take it all in. And like you said, um, I always sort of speak to myself before the race and just to try and, I know it's sort of your best going out there with a cool head and um, not to let it overwhelm you. And um, like I said, I, I approach every race pretty much the same. 
but um, it always helps after winning, getting the monkey off the back in Australia. It's all well winning overseas group ones, but to do it back home is always um, a different feeling. Ron, you said uh, you, you ride, you prepare for a group one like like any other race. But did you, well, firstly, prepare a plan for this race with Salido, and then did the plan work out? Look, I had several there. I watched the replays and I could see that he's pulled quite fiercely in the early stages. Um, and then they'd taken the blinkers off, which I thought was a big plus. So I'd watched a couple of his races overseas. Um, I was still waiting to hear from Chris and the team to see exactly what they wanted me to do. But I sort of had plans, sort of A, B. Um, but the instructions were pretty open and pretty good, um, exactly how I sort of expected it to be. You give me the option that, he said, look, you're probably going to be posted going into that first corner. He said, you know, make a decision. He said, I'd rather you slide forward and come back, but just don't gas him. And, um, look, we worked out quite nicely in the end. We tucked in quite early, which was good. Um, I was a little concerned going to the, the winning post the first time, how strong we were pulling. Um, it's never an easy job for a horse to run two mile when they're pulling that, that hard. Um, but, yeah, in the end, it unfolded quite nicely. Did you get any uh, impression or feeling from the, the Waller camp? I know they can play things uh, close to their chest, but but post-race, whether this could potentially be a Melbourne Cup horse, um, I know they had, uh, this horse is obviously a British import, they had some aspirations of trying to get it in the Melbourne Cup last year that obviously didn't come off. But do you think this would be a nice Melbourne Cup horse, for instance, this year if... if, if that's what they that's what they wanted to do and obviously imagine if you could stay on for a Melbourne Cup it'd be a dream wouldn't it yeah it certainly would um yeah I definitely wouldn't rule it out he's a tough stayer like I said he pulled quite fiercely throughout and then to really um make a long sustained run as much as I wanted it to be a, a tough run um 3200 meters which it wasn't in the first half of the race so I sort of had to change things up a little bit um but to then kick again at about 100 to go, I thought was really impressive. You've made Brisbane your home in, in recent time, or southeast Queensland. Uh, you know, p- people I think sometimes underrate the local seat here from a riding point of view. It's 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 pretty tough competition, isn't it here? It is. There's plenty of riders up here, and it doesn't matter which state you're in. It's always competitive. Um, you know, people just look at your certain jockeys, and you know, your Melbourne and Sydney, and you say, oh, that's, you know, you, you better rank and this and that. But at the end of the day, we're all competitive jockeys and it's competitive anywhere you ride, I think, these days. And, Ron, there's a lot more to your life than, than riding winners, although that's obviously your, your, your primary focus work-wise. Tell us where you're up to. I, I remember talking to you when you came back from uh, Singapore about you took three or four months off to get your helicopter licence and you, you love flying and you felt like you, you sort of had to spend a bit of time away from racing to do that properly. Where's all that up to? Do you still um, get up in the air occasionally or, or is it something you'd like to do again in the future? Yeah, I'd love to. It's, it's not a, uh, a cheap thing to do. Um, and, look, I, I sort of started flying and, and got really got a passion for it. And I got to a point where I sort of, with the study, it's, it's pretty full on. And I sort of needed that bit of time to um, to really complete it properly and just to know that I'm going to be a safe pilot um, when I'm out there. But probably haven't flown for a couple of years. It's not current at the moment, but it's definitely a passion. I still speak to a lot of the boys that are flying. Um, and 
once you've got the licence, you've got it, and you know, I've got to renew it and a few different things, but it's definitely a passion of mine for sure. You've been riding a horse called Racecourse Road here in Brisbane. Um, he's flying this horse, and he's a horse you know well. Uh, you're winning on him, but you know him well. And to me, he seems to be a horse that's really taken leaps and bounds. He, he keeps on improving. Yeah, he does. He, look, he, his early days, he had a big opinion of him. And look, he lost his way a little bit. There's a few little issues and different things. And different environment at the moment he seems to be thriving and he's not a horse you can really pull around so you sort of you are a bit of a um you sort of go got to go with him a bit rather than trying to force anything so the ride sort of changes every time you ride him but he's definitely going in the right direction and he's sort of hitting good form at the right time coming into the carnival yeah exactly right well the the circle goes the it turns the full circle doesn't it I mentioned that Ipswich Maiden, Group 1 Sydney Cup yesterday. You're on a $31 chance of the first race at the Sunshine Coast today. So it's it's all part of racing, isn't it? That's it. That's it. You get the ups and the downs. But yes, for sure. Congratulations on yesterday. Uh, Queensland really got behind uh, uh, the wind of Salino with, with your riding. And hopefully there's plenty of success over our winter carnival coming up. Thanks for being with us this morning, mate. Fingers crossed. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Ron Stewart joining us this morning, and a very modest and unassuming man too. Yeah, there's no airs and graces about him. Not there's no, there's no big head. Uh, and the bloke that we heard then on the radio uh, was exactly the same guy that I talked to uh, two days before the group one. I don't think uh, it will change him one bit. Although you would naturally be walking a little bit taller, and as he said, it's all good and well riding winners at the highest level overseas. Uh, but in Australia, let's face it, that doesn't count for much for most punters. Now he's, he can call himself an Australian Group 1 mm. winning rider. And you know what? Um, may potentially open a couple of doors for him. Certainly might be able to hitch his, hitch his coattails to another nice horse or two yeah. in the Winter Carnival. I was going to say that uh, he might be walking a bit taller, but he, he won't be riding any heavier. And that's <laughs> one thing, the one advantage that he has. You know, a race like a Stradbroke, if there's a lightweight hope in there, he can ride 50 easily. So Yeah, and with with the Waller connection now, I mean, mm. he's, he's ridden a Group 1 winner for Waller. I mean, Waller will send a whole horde of... Uh, a squadron of horses up here. I mean, you'd like to think he'd, uh, he'd get a go on some of them, perhaps. So that was Salino Sydney Cup and Ronnie Stewart aboard. Let's go to our next group one. This is for the, the mares, the queen of the turf, and Probabil, the favourite at $2.15. So it's Graceful Glamour being eyeballed by Nemali and Probabil stoked up in the third. Quantum Mechanic runs on well the outside, clear from Vangelic Vanagirl and further back to Natoya making ground but Probabil responds to the urgings got a length clear from Quantum Mechanic Natoya's running on, it's Probabil in front from Natoya going to second Probabil a half in front to Natoya, she's coming hard Natoya going to Probabil and Natoya got up to win it, Natoya a last stride victory in the Queen of the Turf Edged out the favourite Probabil. Quantum Mechanic third from Vangelic. Then came Vanna Girl and Colette late on the scene. Further back to All Saints E from Nimali. Then Rich Hip Starrell, Odium Missy Beal, and Graceful Glamour dropped back to finish last. Natoya can be accurately described as a giant killer because that's what she is. She doesn't win out of turn, but when she wins, she wins big ones and often knocks a lot of the major players out of the game, and there she was yesterday at $26 with Tommy Berry riding, getting down Probabil. The lady who puts the polish on Natoya knows her better than anyone else is Wendy Roche, her trainer, and she's been kind enough to, to join us this morning. Wendy, good morning. Congratulations. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm well, but I'm sure you're even better than me because uh, that would, would have been a big thrill yesterday, and I was reading this morning that you certainly gave the horse a chance. 
Uh, yeah, I thought I'd run in the Doncaster, as I've documented earlier. That was a terrific run on the worst part of the track. She only got beat 4.3 and was 20 lengths off them and missed the kick because she read in the gate. So, you know, it was just a matter of her backing up, which she does well because she didn't race. She would have galloped anyway because she thrives on work. So it was virtually a no-brainer. It was just the class of the field and whether there was enough pace on. Wendy, this uh, horse has really added to the to the sort of rich tapestry of racing. I mean, we all know, obviously, it loves a beer and a, and, a, and a pizza and some champagne. But for all that colour, which is fabulous, do you, do you think that sort of the horse's ability gets a little bit lost in, in that bigger picture? Because, I, I mean, it's a great colour story. We love the horse. But, but let's, let's not forget, beneath all that, there's a very talented horse too. Oh, it does. And it's a, it's a little bit, like, complex in a way because, you know, everyone wants, to, like, a different story of the norm of going to the races and galloping and track work and all that. And she sort of certainly gives, you know, the colour, like you've like said, of all that. But, you know, she rails off sectionals, which because I'm not a huge trainer, people like oversee. Like her sectionals in the aspirations was, you know, the second fastest 600 of the race. She ran, I don't know, 33.2. You know, Missy Bill ran 33.08. I can't catch that when I'm giving them 17 lengths. Um, you know, she ran the last 600 in 11.59, um, which was the fastest in the run. But, you know, she was three weeks between runs, needed the run, was against champion in a deep and very elegant and got beat 4.7 you know, lengths. Last year she got beat 7.7 or 7.8 lengths. So she's three lengths better there on the year before and won the Doncaster, you know, the next race. Going into the Doncaster, she... Missed the kick, was 20 lengths off him and got beat 4.3 on the worst part of the track. It's no Einstein and no eyebrainer. You just got to actually just look at the form and, you know, just get rid of the favourites out of your brain and look at sectionals. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know some pretty good uh, pizza joints uh, yeah. up here in the Sunshine State and I, I gather you're, <laughs> you're bringing your horse uh, to Queensland. Can you just, uh, for a couple of starts perhaps, uh, before retirement, can you just tell us what the plans are there? Not quite sure, but like maybe the Hollandale or the Jumbin Cup, uh, maybe a last two runs. I just have to have a look at the calendar because I think the calendar's changed since COVID on what all the races actually are. And because she was going to be sold, I didn't really, you know, go in depth on the racing up there this time of year and when they are. I think the Hollandale's the 8th or 7th of May, isn't it? Um, Hollandale's the 8th and the Doombin Cup's on the 22nd, a fortnight apart. Yeah, so whether she stays there or comes home, I don't know, because she's very difficult to work. Yeah, just tell us about that. How, what, what's, the, what's the background there to that? Oh, she's just a sod. She, <laughs> I'm glad you said that. She, she, she won't go on the track. Like at Warwick Farm, you know, we're quite blessed because she goes out. She goes through the two tunnels. She has her strapper that's her lead pony of a morning. He picks grass for her when she comes off the track. She goes up the tunnel. She can only do one lap because she refuses to do two. Um, if you go through the middle to go on the course proper or any other track, she'll just lay down and won't go. Like, lay down. She won't go. Um, she has to can a home through the middle past the three trucks and past everyone. So she either gets work really early or really late so she doesn't interfere with everyone and gets grass and comes home. When she goes to Melbourne, that's another story in itself. The first day she's okay if I take the pony and I'm there. You know, she's okay. Otherwise, you've got to have lollies and someone chase her or she won't go. <laughs> That's a pretty easy horse to train then, Wendy. <laughs> well, it, it, she's difficult but easy. Like, last night she came home and I, everyone thinks that, like, we just feed her pizza and that she, she obviously gets better balanced diet. But, you know, someone commented this morning that pizza does consist of carbohydrates, proteins, fats and electrolytes. 
and so does a normal diet. So it's quite similar, really, but just a different display differently on a plate. But, um, you know, she demolished five pieces of margarita pizza quicker than, you know, a rotwheeler. What about um, on the drinking side of things? Do you up the ante with the, 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 the class of champagne if she wins a group one? Or? Well, she had the, a mini Shandon last night, but she didn't like the normal one. No. Um, so she had a um, scotch and dry. Um, and then this morning she went to the beach and she had a pink bottle of champagne. So, Molly. <laughs> well, what is... Because I'm going to organise one for you, Andy. Well, when I say one, probably ten, uh, when you come up here. What is... Is it margarita she loves or is there another... Can you sort no, of mix no, them up? No, margarita is not her favourite pizza. What is? Her favourite pizza is um, Domino's Supreme with sweet capsicum chilli sauce. <laughs> that sounds like it's in my price range. Write that down. <laughs> Write it down. Don't miss. Don't get. Don't get it wrong. Hey, just before you go, Wendy, just tell us about the riding situation here. Tommy Berry had the ride, but but give us the the, the lead up story to that. Well, you see, it's very difficult with a horse like her because you know the Doncaster she gets fifty kilos mm. or fifty one. So um, you know, there's not many jockeys that will stick with her because uh, Rachel King normally rides for Godolphin and Robbie Dolan. You know, was maybe going to always go with Annabelle on uh, Mwanga. So, like, it's very difficult to get a jockey. So from the start, because she's notorious and they don't really like riding because she's like, well, you know, people don't want to get injured in big races. And, you know, she is notorious for putting on a show and trying to get rid of them. Like, she nearly got rid of Tommy yesterday going to the gates. And I said to Tommy, look, if she's naughty, don't worry about it. Just put one around her and you'll probably win the race because, like, her best form is when she's naughty going to the gates. And so I rang Michael or Chris Caserta um, in Queensland, and he came down to ride her. But, you know, because of his lack of... Um, I feel really bad for him. Because of his lack of um, rides in Queensland, the owners just felt that his judgment would be out in the group races and put him under too much pressure at this stage of coming back in his career. And so he came down and rode her in a first trial, and then Michael Poy came to ride her, but he had to ride Ancestry yesterday, so he missed the ride yesterday. Mm. We end up with Tommy Berry, and uh, he did the job. Congratulations. It's a great story and the it's not over yet. Hopefully we'll see you up here in Queensland. Try and get up here with, with the tour. We'd love to see you. No problem. Good on you, Wendy. Wendy Rose joining us this morning. Maybe I should be called the tour. I like champagne <laughs> and pizza as well. Like I love colourful stories like that. Isn't, isn't that... That's what endears people uh, to racing, isn't it? And um, I'm not sure about the sweet chilli stuff on the pizza. Not really my go. I'm more no. of a gourmet sort of prawns and avocado oh, no, and no, all no, that sort no, of stuff. No, 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 no. I'd, I'd go with Domino's. I don't mind. But I'll tell you what, that horse, I, I mean, uh, if it gets up here, the, uh, it'll get publicity. It'll, it'll get a few more people through the yeah. gates and a, and a few more eyeballs on the Winter Carnival. And, 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 and let's not lose sight of the fact, as I said at the start, she has a lot of ability. Um, obviously, has a few tricks up her sleeve as well as Wendy's outline, but she is a giant killer. The funny part is she won the Don. She hasn't won a race since the Doncaster. It's been a year between wins, but they've both been group one. So giant killer is a, is a great term for her. And I thought probably had every chance, to be honest. Yeah, it was, it was sort of um, under the bat. Well, I wouldn't say under the bat, but it was sort of, sort of hard at it for a fair way out. And to me, I've thought uh, probably at her best would We'll just round them up and put that field away. So mm. it'd be interesting to see what the wash-up is there. Let's go to the Australian Oaks, the other group one of the day, over the 2,400 metres. And it was a fairly keen betting affair here. Harmony Rose had the favouritism at 380, but only just over Amaralina. 
This has been a very soft lead for Harmony Rose and they haven't even quickened as yet. Harmony Rose being eyeballed now by Impecunious, the outside Sonora Nero. Hungry Heart gets going. Bargain needs a bit of room. Modophilia and Amarillina are starting to wind up as they climb the rise and Harmony Rose in front. Hungry Heart moves up strongly on the outside. Amarillina runs on from Modophilia. Hungry Heart takes the lead of the 200 by a length and a half to Amarillina. Bargain into the clear now. Hungry Heart in front. Dewis is getting a late split, but Hungry Heart in front of Dewis and Bargain, and Hungry Heart goes on to win the Australian Oaks. What a link to Dewis. Bargain third, then came Amarillina from Modophilia. Further back to Sonora Nera. Harmony Rose drifted out from Land Ahoy, then Impecunious and Sassy Sav. She's a filly by Frankel, and, and I think it's legitimate to say that there were many who thought she was a non-winner for some time because she was just going around and not winning. And all of a sudden, bang, bang, bang. She won the far lap, she won the Vinery and wins the Group 1 Oaks yesterday. Yeah, I'm going to say something completely ridiculous now. So you might want to tape this and play it back in about you know six yeah. months. Yeah. But that's a Cox Plate filly, isn't it? I think she the, she the penny has dropped with her. I don't know what Chris Waller's going to do with her. But, uh, you know, a four-year-old filly in a Cox Plate, gee whiz, I, you know, the, the Frankel connection... She's as strong as an ox, and she just seems to be improving every race. Oh, I'd love the idea of her in a cox plate. You know when we said we might have a blue? <laughs> you're edging dangerously. Well, you... No, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. She wouldn't not, be out of place in a cox plate, would she? Wouldn't be out of place, but uh, yeah, don't quite agree with you there. It was a very slowly run. I will say one thing. The other day, when she won and beat a well, Harmony Rose was um, the leader that day and went very fast in the vinery, and it really suited Hungry Heart. She was one of the few that overcame the bias. It was a bias track towards the inside. She came wide, but she was, uh, to a degree, flattered by the fact that they'd gone so hard. But yesterday, to her credit, they went slowly in front so that she was the, the, the pace was against her. She overcame that bias. So she's uh, a filly that can, you know, rise above the parapet and do things that probably she shouldn't be able to do. So. Yeah, and I think, despite the fact she's won group ones on the bounce, I think they're still working her out a, a little bit. I mean, she ran in a golden slipper, I think, behind Farnan... Uh, last season. So, she, I mean, she was considered good enough to run in a um, golden slipper and, and now she's winning races over, over this trip. Um, I, th- I was on Bargain, uh, who I thought probably had every chance, but I think that's a filly uh, with some ability too. The Mark, mm. Mark Newnham second seat, I suppose you could call in that race, got a nice run behind the leader and, and plugged away there for third. But I'll be following her going forward too. And you'd have to say her stable went Harmony Rose didn't get the trip because she had the easiest of runs in front, but she was virtually the first one gone. Harmony Rose, she ended up running in seventh position. It will be interesting to see a lot of these horses from yesterday, whether they do make the trip for the carnival for whatever assignment they might have because we've still got some good racing in in um, Sydney. Uh, next week, All Age Stakes Day, Champagne Stakes Day. But then we've got that Hawkesbury standalone. And then... Um, there's, I think, a, a Gosford meeting as well, a, a new meeting with uh, some feature races. But anyway... Yes. Yeah, and we do have a, uh, a horse going the other way next week too. I've been there. The, the promising two-year-old for Stu Kenrick is going down to, to take on the big guns in the Champagne, the Group 1 Champagne, and, and uh, that horse's task well, it appears to be an uphill task, but it's become slightly easier, obviously, with Animo uh, now mm. going to the spelling oh, paddock. Sure. So, and, and, and Stu thinks, you know what, he threw... Um, you know, he had to throw up the stumps with Eric the Yield in the derby off a Brisbane win, ran third. Uh, and he thinks, well, y- you know what, well, why not? Uh, we'll have a crack at this. 1,600, you know, r- right up there early. And then they can you know, perhaps have a little freshen up and, and look at a JJ Atkins or something along those lines. One of my favourite sayings, don't die wondering. It, absolutely. Don't die wondering. Let's have a listen to the arrow feel. I want to talk more about this tomorrow from a broader point of view. This was a Group 2 race. 
but a lot of Queen's uninterest with isotope engaged. And in the end, she was the $3.20 favourite. 550 metres to run and it's Wisdom of Water and the Face going head and head. Wild Ruler been three wide from the start, then Dame Giselle. Isotope looking for a bit of galloping room now is rocketing by, holds its position. They come up the rise, Wisdom of Water from the Face and Wild Ruler, then rocketing by. Isotope hasn't got out of a pocket yet, then Prague the outside. Wild Ruler takes the lead of the 175. Isotope gets out now. She's giving chase and Prague the outside. It's Wild Ruler. Wild Ruler just in front of Isotope and Prague Wild Ruler. Oh, Isotope's lunged. It's a close one here. Wild Ruler and Isotope who put in that final bid for victory. Prague ahead away third. Then Amish Boy from rocketing by September run. That was cruel for, uh, for Tony Gollan Connections. Dead said cruel. A half head between um, a Group 2 victory and a, a Group 2 runner-up spot. And that's what it was. Wild Ruler getting the the judges not James Mack riding for Team Snowden, a very talented sprinter in himself. That was his fifth win at his tenth start. Yeah, absolutely. A bit of news around this this morning, Dave. I got a text from Tony Gollan to say that Isotope will now be spelled. So she was in a lot of uh, winner carnival markets, even high up in the Stradbroke market, I think, uh, the fourth or fifth pick or something. So uh, she will have a nice spell now, and he's got some pretty big aspirations for uh, her in the spring. He's convinced she's up to Group One level and. She's got an X factor, hasn't she? She certainly has. And I think that it was pretty well... Tony was pretty open and honest right along with Isotope. But I know that she was in markets. Uh, the noms, actually, for these big races close May 4, I think. But he was pretty pretty upfront to say that it wouldn't be a, an option, the Winter Carnival, and she'd be headed for the spring. And I actually put it to him on radio one day, you know, would you consider her, you know, as an Everest prospect? Well, of course... It's probably not up to him, in a way. It's up to someone who wants to, to buy her for the slot. But uh, like you, Hungry Hardcocks, played, uh, I don't think Isotope would be out of an Everest. Either. No, I, I tend to um, agree with you. And, and you can totally understand the decision to... I mean, as Queensland racing fans, we'd love to see her race in the, in the big races up here. But let's face it, she was up in summer. Uh, she had, uh, obviously, uh, Ryan Maloney fell off her. Uh, she wasn't, you know, there was no ill effects to her really, but in the Magic Millions guineas and now she's raced in autumn. So summer, autumn, winter, it, it just becomes all a bit too tricky. So uh, I, I just can't wait to see her come back in spring and, and watch your targets. I think one thing we can safely say from uh, that race yesterday, September run is just a straight track specialist. Certainly, yeah, most effective under those conditions. You're preparing copy for RaceNet tomorrow in the Courier Mail. You might put a call in to uh, Peter or Paul Stanham with Wild Ruler. I see Dubin 10,000, 26 down to 15. Also, Goodwood, 26 down to 15. Only third run in its prep yesterday, so will be interesting to see where it heads. And it could also be an Everest proposition as well. Well, it's interesting this year the Dooman 10,000 and the Goodwood are on the on the same year, mm. which is a bit of a vagary. I think they were seven or eight years ago, but certainly in the last four, five, six years, there's been clean air. So, for instance, a horse like Gitra, uh, you know, the, the Adelaide Group 1 winner, you know, if he's got to make the decision whether to come to Brisbane for the Doom and 10,000 or stay for the Goodwood, I'd imagine they'd be staying for the Goodwood. They're coming back for, for one or two at the most uh, runs before leading up to an Everest campaign. But it's just an interesting one. I don't quite know why that is. Maybe maybe you've got a, a better insight than, than I do. But it's probably not ideal to have those two, two good sprint well, races on the one day. Certainly not. I mean, uh, it's quite glaring, actually. Just two other mentions out of Royal Ramwick before we take our first break here on Past the Post. Uh, the... Provincial Championship won by Crystal Breeze and I suppose uh, it wasn't the favourite but it didn't come as a surprise at winning because it was in the market at uh, $6.50 but 
the least stable, I think, had five or six runners. Would have been a nightmare for Darren Flindelli. He got through it brilliantly. Huey Bowman riding. But the other horse from a, a Queensland carnival point of view um, is Ellsberg. Uh, looked very good winning first up. Well fancied, $3.00. Now, that was 1,400 metres. He's a three-year-old. Does he come to the Guineas in two weeks' time? Because as Gerald Ryan pointed out in the press this morning, there's also the Hawkesbury Guineas on that day at 1,400 metres, and he's probably thinking maybe the mile second up might be a bridge too far when you've got a good race in your own backyard. So, again, a, a clash of sorts here. Yeah, absolutely, and I think all these things will probably become clearer over the next seven days. I think we should also pay honourable mention to... I'm going to say this horse's name wrong, but Jamea, is it? The one that Percy Sykes, Robin mm. Luke Price... Um, they qualified this horse for the slipper, um, if you don't mind. But they, they, they said, no, uh, we're going to bite our time. The Percy Sykes is a suitable race. So imagine having a horse that's qualified for the slipper, uh, you know, and, and yeah, if you're a big stable, fair enough. But if you're these sort of, they're not small-time trainers, but, are, you know, lesser-known trainers, geez, you'd be tempted to run in the slipper, but they pulled exactly the right rein. And that horse probably went out, easy to say in hindsight, but a bit over the odds. I mean, Tommy Berry... Um, was very keen to stick. So, yeah, it was a good win, I thought. Yeah, 17 bucks it was. Converge won the first race, which was the, the two-year-old mile race, and Fasica won the Sapphire, which was the last. So it was a great day of racing at Royal Ramwick. We'll take a break. Thanks for your company on Past the Post this morning. We'll come back and have a look at Eagle Farm up next. Past the Post on Radio Tab. Two listed races at Eagle Farm yesterday on a good three track. And let's have a listen to the first one, the listed Daybreak Lover for the three-year-olds, Apache Chase, a well-back favourite at 260. Now they're racing in pairs up to the turn. 500 left to run Apache Chase. Trying to go from Barry to Box. Turned into the straight in front. From Wolfman on the outside. Then got a kiss. Followed by Mass Destruction. Pulled to the outside. And gaps to the calendar to be one of my friend. Apache Chase currently. He's going great guns. He's out by two, two and a half. Mass Destruction rolled up to second. No Wolfman. No got a kiss. No the others. Apache Chase in front. 100 metres left to go. He's in full flight. And they're not going to catch him. He is very good today, all the way. Apache Chase, big mass destruction, a fair gap to Wolf Moon third, Big Water, my friend, fourth, then the Cullen, and got a kiss while she's lost it completely, finished last again. Yeah, bled from one nostril, got a kiss, uh, possibly a, a reason for her very disappointing performance, but in stark contrast, Apache Chase, he had his mojo back yesterday. I know there are horses that can be versatile and sit anywhere in a field, though that's as good as gold, but some horses really are effective in a certain role. And Apache Chase loves to get to the front and run them off their legs. He did it yesterday. He delivered in spades. And Desley Forster, his trainer, is our next guest. Desley, good morning. Morning, David. Am I, would you agree with that assessment that this horse is most effective when he can get out there and just make them chase him? Oh, probably say so. But I said the day one, the Vovo, he had um, Fleet Dove sitting inside him. Um, so, like, outside of him and they were... I don't think it's, it's just a matter of the sectionals early. I think if you, he's one of those sort of horses that you can, he can run off, wheel off quick sectionals and then still quicken off with off sectionals like which I done yesterday. Desley, you hold this horse in the highest possible regard, don't you? I mean, I know you said yesterday that you think in the future perhaps he could um, potentially even give you your first group one win. Oh, look, um, probably like most trainers, probably hoping that they, they said they get a good horse and they hope, but he sort of makes his own luck and he does everything right. Um, and he loves Eagle Farm and those sort of places. So when they get to the front and they make their own luck, they're always 
got a better chance, haven't they? Let's just go back. Uh, he was on that very heavy track and in a speed battle at the Gold Coast in the Jewel. Tell us your thoughts about his run the other day behind Tycoon Evie. Oh, it was quite simple, I thought. Um, it said they run 37 and a half for the first three and he had 61, really 62 kilos and it was just going to be hard for him to quicken with that weight on. Um, so, yeah, so like it's probably that. But as I said, he's never won at 1,200 and neither it, mm. so... That's the other thing you've got to take in consideration. Like, um, and Jimmy said to me yesterday, "So don't be frightened to go. Let me roll along and um, use his speed, gate speed, to his advantage." And um, as I said to Jimmy, and a lot of people don't realise that. Always said that he can. He's got a really high cruising speed, and he can quicken off it. And as Jimmy found out yesterday, he can do that. I'm fascinated to to get an insight into what your sort of thinking might be with this horse going forward into the carnival. You said yesterday you really wanted some feedback from from Jimmy Byrne about whether he thought this horse could really run a strong 1600 metres for a race like the the Queensland Guineas, and and obviously there's races like the the Fred Best, um, which obviously gives you a free ticket into the Stradbroke if you can win that race. I well, was just looking at the program in that um, this morning. Um, at the moment, look, I got no. I'm pretty positive he will run a mile. Because um, he does switch off, he does relax. We proved that in the 1200 metre race um, two weeks ago that he will relax, and Jimmy said he will relax as well. So look, I've got time to probably run him in the Guineas um, in the Guineas in two weeks' time, which is a mile at the farm. He loves Eagle Farm, so he's got plenty of favours. Um, and then the Fred Best is not for another month after that, mm. so I've got time to freshen him up and go back that way if I want to go that way. So the gold just. He's pulled up really well this morning. So um, at the moment, he'll probably go to the Guineas in two weeks' time, go to the mile, and, um, and we'll assess him then. Des, I know you, you always wear your, your heart in your sleeve and, and your emotions there for everyone to see, but I sense this horse, when you, when you were being interviewed by Bernie Cooper yesterday, you, you, I think you might have had a few tears in your eyes. I, I suspect this horse uh, means something even more special to you. Oh, no, it's just been, um, it's been, like, been a pretty good week. Um, that so yeah no just a few things going on but no no as I said it's just good to get a nice listed winner and um as I said like he had probably a couple of knockers after his last run and after the Gold Coast school and um so yeah it was just good to see him bounce back yesterday yeah I think the the really good point you make is that uh, he does relish Eagle Farm he really goes well there and I think that's a plus for him. Now, you said it was a good week, and I want to just touch on this uh, filly, Georgie's Pride, who won at Eagle Farm on Wednesday. Um, she's been great this campaign. Uh, where's her next start going to be? Uh, she runs in a quality in two weeks on the 1st of May at um, Eagle Farm for 1,300 metre race for three-year-olds. Um, it's hard to believe that there's... I was looking for something over the carnival, but there's mm. no, like, three-year-old fillies races over the winter carnival, so it makes it really, really hard. Like, I mean, like, try and get some black top for her. Um, she just keeps stepping up to the mark every time I've sort of asked her to step up and um, she just keeps stepping, the, raising the bar and she just keeps stepping up. And as I said, she's putting together a very impressive record at the moment. So, yeah, so she'll go to that quality in... Um, on the first of May at Eagle Farm. Des, what's your feedback and the feedback from the jockeys who ride for you on the Eagle Farm track coming into the carnival? It, uh, the general consensus is uh, it's improving. I, I, are you getting that feeling as well? Oh, yeah. I'm quite, look, Eagle Farm is Eagle Farm. Um, I think the biggest problem with Eagle Farm at the moment is a few of the jockeys, they try and ride like Durban. 
Mm. Um, you see trainers say, oh, the horses don't go to the line because they're going up. I don't know if they are. Um, my theory, I could be wrong, is a lot of them, like Eagle Farm's one of the toughest, longest straights around. And if you try and make a run before the corner at Eagle Farm, you're making a very long 500-metre run, ain't you, really? Mm. Um, so, look, I'm, I got all my, I'm very lucky. I've had all my horses go to Eagle Farm. They've all raced super there. Um, I've only had one horse jar up. And, but away from that, look, I don't. Like I said, the boys said it was a bit firm yesterday. They put the right rating up. So if you wanted to scratch, you could have scratched. So that's what the, the main thing is, putting the right rating up and then no one should have any issues with the track. That's a very good point, Jermaine. I think the other fact is too, and we were talking about this yesterday uh, after the last race, when you look at the results at Eagle Farm over the last you know few months, uh, there's no roughies winning. Uh, the, the fancied runners are winning, so the putters are obviously happy, and they're coming from every part of the track. You can either be up the front or out the back. Uh, you can be near the rudder on the outside. So they come from all parts of the track to win. So from a punting point of view, Des, um, I think the punters are fairly happy at the moment. Yeah, as I don't think this. I don't think as I said, I think the track's racing very generous. As I said, mainly it comes down to, I think a lot of tempo related in those races. That's what it really mainly comes down to. So yeah, but as I said, like it raced very even yesterday, um, and it said looked good. So yeah, no, as I said, I've got no complaints about the track. Just one last question with Georgie's Pride. You mentioned that race in a fortnight's time at Eagle Farm. Now, just say that Georgie's Pride wins that race. What do you do then? <laughs> well, there is a um, thirteen fifty at Doomben, um a few weeks later. So that, um, as I said, I've got a bit of a, I'm sort of trying to keep them both apart because they've both got a very similar racing pattern. Mm, exactly. Um, the only sim- the difference is that she can just can, she continues to go at one clip. Like she can, like I think she ran thirty five eight two the other day and home in. 3588. So, like, she can continues to run a high cruising speed where he can run those cruising speeds and quicken. So, look, I'm on a path to, at the moment, they can stay in a separate path. Um, my dream is if the Tatsio happens to run at Eagle Farm, um, it may be a perfect race for Georgie's Pride where she loves the track and, um, yeah, no weight might be an ideal race for her later in the end of the carnival. Good on you, Desley. Always good to see you win and, and always appreciate your time on our programs. Thanks for that. Thanks, guys. Bye now. Desley Forster joining us. Any more news on that Tats Tiara we were talking about last Monday? Yeah, nothing firm, but I'm getting, um, sniffing the breeze. I think um, it's now probably more likely than not that there'll be a resolution of sorts and that race will be run at Eagle Farm, but there's still a little bit to play out. Fair enough. Um, yeah, Patchy Chase and I, you know, I think that Desley made a good point there that, that that Eagle Farm may be an individual track, and whether you like that or not, that 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 may well be the case. It's sort of a, to a degree reflected in the times at the moment. The times, as a rule, don't stack up to the the, the track rating, but Eagle Farm may be a, a peculiar track. It may be an individual track. Well, I found it a really interesting issue to cover for the Career Mail and, and RaceNet and the, and the, the digital mastheads, I suppose, that I work for, because clearly. Um, you know, it, it's improving. A couple of months ago, it was in desperate trouble. But, I, I mean, the jockeys and trainers don't want to come out and sort of publicly bag it, really, because, I mean, they've got... I mean, imagine if Tony Gollum, for instance, or one of the bigger trainers came out and really ripped it to shreds and said, this isn't good enough. 
Well, he's effectively sending a message to his owners that, you know, um, should we really be racing horses at Eagle Farm? Uh, David Van Dyke, of course, had the had the, mm. the track ban. He wasn't racing horses there. He's revoked that, which is good news ahead of the carnival. So, look, I think there's positivity in the air without getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I think that's a, a more than fair statement. Let's go to the other listed race. This was the Ascot Handicap. Master Jamie and Vega won with a top pair in betting. 300 left to run. Kylie's leads. Master Jamie under some pressure. The tenor gone. Then La Palmier. Tycoon Ace. Vega one. Needs to get a move on. And Zanaya out down the outside. Kylie still bombing in front. La Palmier is closing on the margin. Zanaya's out wide. Master Jamie can't win. Kylie's is flat out. They're coming left, right, and centre. And here is Zanaya. Zanaya swept up at one. Beat either. Master Jamie Flasher or close up as well. Tycoon Ace. Vega one behind them. Kylie's. Hit a brick wall late, then Pizzoni, La Palmiere, and gaps to Iconic Star, and the tenor last over the line, Zanaya sweeping home. Yes, Zanaya, a $21 chance, knocking many out of the quaddy, and uh, really no excuses for the beaten division because she came from last. Yeah, absolutely, big win. Um, I, I must say I liked the run of Master Jamie. I, clearly 1,000 metres first up when he's got a, he's qualified for the Stradbroke. You know, he started favourite, I think, or equal favourite. Mm. Uh, probably a false price, really, considering he's got much bigger uh, fish to fry. Graham Green, after the race, was very happy with what he saw and also very happy with Taylor Marshall, who he swooped on yes, to ride right this there. horse uh, throughout the Winter Carnival in the Stradbroke. He was looking for a lightweight rider. So, yes, terrific win. Uh, be interesting to see what Chris Lees does there. Um, but, look, Master Jamie's probably going to be outclassed, I guess, in the Stradbroke, but... Um, yeah. Nice little first-up run, I thought. Yeah, and look, as I said yesterday in the preview, he has been vulnerable first up in the... Who's that ringing? Who's that? Uh, I'll turn the phone off. That's a, just a rookie error, isn't it? What about that? Yeah, or, or a pest. I was actually, I'll tell you who that was. That was uh, Ulysses might, might know. Steve Brassel, one of the, the, yeah. the famous Brassel brothers. He's your he, boss, isn't he? He's my <laughs> boss, and I've just hung up on him. So <laughs> we'll see how we go when I ring him back in 10 minutes. He was ready to say how many times you mentioned race this morning. <laughs> yeah, well, you've, done a, you've, done, you've done a few, and I've done a few for you as well. Uh, Vega won round six. I expected a little more from him. Yeah, I talked to Michael Rod after the race. That's a fair statement. I probably expected a bit more from him, but he said, look, he was satisfied. The horse has been out for quite a long time, best part of a year, really, uh, was just warming up there at the end. You probably would have liked to see him finish a length or so closer, but not a bad run, I don't think. I certainly did with my money on it, but anyway, <laughs> sixth is where I had to settle. However, that was uh, the, the Ascot handicap. What to get your thoughts on the protest? Now, this was race seven. Junction was first past the post. Get Stuck In was beaten half ahead, and then Leah Kilner uh, lodged an objection, I think with after a bit of persuasion, to uh, to lodge the objection, and it was ultimately upheld in the steward's room. Now, just from a, a calling point of view, or people watching television, from the lateral point of view, it appeared that Get Stuck In missed a run or got chopped out, had to then come around heels and got beaten a half ahead. So I, I thought there was a, a, a better than fair chance it would be upheld, which it was, but I'm not always running these protests. Many people aren't either, but tell us... You would, did you go to the... Yeah, I was in there. Um, look, my thoughts, uh, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this because um, I never sit on the fence in life, but but my thoughts, I could dead set understand if it was dismissed and I could understand if it was upheld. The first time I watched I thought this is going to be upheld. Then I, when I went into the steward's room, uh, I thought this is probably going to be dismissed. And then I sort of changed my mind again and I ended up saying to someone while they were deliberating, I said, look, I think this is 55% chance to be dismissed and 45% chance to be upheld but the longer and longer and longer the the protest went on you just knew uh it was going to be upheld it was a really interesting one because uh leah kilner uh, you know 
pushed a horse through a gap, and there was a huge gap there, as as Mark Curry said. You could have, uh, you know, uh, fitted a, a Mack truck through there. Ma- um, Mark Curry trained the, the winner, which was, or the first-past-the-post winner, who was demoted on protest. Um, but Curry's horse did definitely roll in, and Kilner's horse then went into the to the other horse. But you just, I'm probably not explaining it all that well. But you sort of probably just had to had to see the vision. I could honestly understand either views. I've had people text me and say this was a disgrace uh, that this was upheld. I don't subscribe to that one little bit, um, but I do get people saying. Uh, gee, they've made the wrong decision here because I, I, I don't know. I, I reckon you could toss a coin with that one. Yeah. I, I could have been. I would have been happy with either result. You, you make sense because there are some protests that, that you know is going to be like ninety nine percent dismissed. You know, one percent the the hundred one chance gets up and it's upheld. But I think when there are you know differing views and there's a, there's there's polarized opinion. In the end, uh, there's that fine line that the stewards have to decide on. So someone has to decide, and that's the role of the stewards. And in this case, they decided uphill. And I think the key thing, as I suppose, I mean, you could probably say this with a lot of protests, but the key thing with this was the margin. If the margin had been ten centimetres more, mm. I think they would have probably dismissed it. But it was so close. And, and you know what? Uh, the second pass of the post horse should definitely have won. Now, whether that was a, as a result of not being able to take a run through interference or not the horse actually physically not taking the run, I'm, I'm 50-50 either way. But, look, there was some great irony, actually, right at the end of the day after this race that Leah Kilner, who won this race on protest, actually got suspended for, for careless riding for for uh, an incident sort of involving uh, this little thread of, of, of incidents. So, uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, though. Uh, one thing I liked about her evidence in this protest, uh, she's just a kid from Grafton. She went in and she said, my horse definitely would have won this race if this hadn't have happened. And you know what? That's terrific because I see so many jockeys and trainers mm. going into the room to protest and saying, oh, I think my horse probably would have won. Well, as soon as you say probably would have won or may have won, the stewards just go, please, we'll throw this one out. So, look, I think her evidence actually helped a little bit. Quick mention of the two two-year-olds, Debussy. He's an expensive uh, purchase and he won. Uh, for Team Edmonds, Robbie Fred riding ran 59.14, so I suppose overshadowed a little by Stella Magic, who ran 58 and 7. Not a lot in it, but about a point four of a second. Uh, Bailey Nader for riding Stella Magic. I thought a win was good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, firstly on Debussy, the Edmonds camp said afterwards, uh, you know, they didn't quite say the horse was as fat as a fool, but you know, almost. They said there's a lot of improvement to come here. So even though visually it wasn't, and perhaps the time wasn't that spectacular. Uh, I think it's probably one we should be keeping an eye on for for the Winter Carnival. And, and you know what? I think the story of the day really at um, Eagle Farm was Bailey Northworth winning mm. on Stellar Magic. He, he is a terrific kid. Uh, he was a champion rider last year in Brisbane. He, he's done a lot of salt. He obviously got too big, uh, you know, went to hospital, you know, had some physical battles and probably, you know, definitely some mental battles as well. Took three or four months off. There was no guarantee he was even going to come back uh, and ride. Um, but, look, I was just delighted to see him, uh, you know, come back and, and ride a winner. And he said that, um, you know, he could potentially uh, ride 56, maybe even 55 and a half over the carnival. So he's on the comeback trail. I wouldn't expect him to be picking up too many blue chip group one rides, but you would like to think he's a kid with a lot of talent and you would like to think he'd get some support. Because, you know what, that ride on Stellar Magic, wasn't it cool? It yeah. was cool and calm. And uh, he just picked his way through the field, didn't panic. And you know what, if you're on it sort of on the turn, you're thinking, gee whiz, we're in a bit of strife here. Yeah, there were alarm bells, I think, at the turn if you're on it. But as you said, it was a cool, calm and collected ride. I'm always intrigued by 
expressions. Fat as a fool. <laughs> Can't fools be skinny as well? <laughs> well Can't you have a skinny fool? Well, but all the fools are always fat for some well, reason. Well, I can tell you this particular fool is fat, as in me. <laughs> yeah. Stop looking at me. And the other one is to a drunken sailor. Can anyone, why do sailors have to be drunk? Why do they get picked on? Well, because you're at sea, I suppose, all the time. I mean, <laughs> what else is there to Stop do out there, really? Let's, uh, that was uh, uh, Eagle Farm. Let's go to Morfordville. We're going to have a listen to the Group 3 Irwin Stakes. Kemmel Passer here is the winner. Camel Passer got the spot that he wanted and that's the lead. Three quarters on Savit 2XL. Hey Doc travels strongly. Third outside of Dexalation as they run to the 500. Exhilarates one out two back. She's trailing beautifully. Crown Fontaine, Shimino. Hummer Hummer's got a bit to do. Octane cutting loose wider out. Street Life last of all. Six off and they swing for home and Camel Passer's travelling. 300 metres to go. Kick strongly. Dexalation trying to reel it in. Wider out Exhilarates and and Hummer Hummer, but Camel Passer kept going powerfully from Dexalation. Hummer Hummer, Camel Passer still going from Dexalation. Hummer Hummer will take the Q spot, but Camel Passer wins the Irwin. Camel Passer two lengths to Hummer Hummer. Dexalation, Shimino. Then Crown Fontaine. Street Life, Hey Doc, Sava 2XL, Exhilarates, and Octane. I feel a little sorry for Camel Passer. He tends to live in the shadow of, uh, of Gitra and Behemoth, but. By gee, this horse always puts in. His trainer is trainer Richard Jolly in partnership with Chantelle's daughter. And Richard's joining us this morning. Richard, good morning. Congratulations on yesterday. Yeah, thanks, David. Um, it was good to see him uh, back on the track and uh, doing what he does best. 12 wins from 32 starts. And, and as I said at the outset, he always puts in. Oh, he certainly does. He's got a tenacious will to win. Uh, he's that kind of horse, even in a, in a track gallop, he, he just wants to get past whatever's with him and uh, it's a real good attribute in a horse and not many of them have it, to be honest. It's worth pointing out that uh, apart from his very good record in his own state, when you've taken him away, you've won the Lynn Lithgow twice up the straight of Flemington on Derby Day, you won the Heffernan at Sandown. So, and uh, he ran really well on the Magic Millions Day, so uh, even outside of his own state, he acquits himself extremely well. Yeah, and he also, um, uh, just a few months ago, Ran third in an Oakley Plate and was only narrow, narrowly beaten. So, yeah, he's got a, he, he travels well. He's a horse that's, you know, he's obviously been around, been travelled around a bit and he, and he copes really well with it. He eats eats well and um, he's a nice, relaxed type of horse. And uh, I think, you know, that's a good attribute and why he, why we can take him away and he still performs at that at that level. And uh, for the Queensland listeners, there's a nice Queensland connection with this horse, Nev Morgan, a great man um, who, who owns this horse, obviously runs in the same colours as the likes of Rangy Rangdu and whatever. I, I'd imagine he'd be a bit of fun to train for. Oh, certainly. Nev's a terrific, terrific bloke. And, uh, and you know, we've, we've had horses together for, you know, almost probably... Uh, uh, probably 18 years, I think now. I've, I've had a horse for Nev, and um, yeah, he's a terrific supporter of uh, our our stable and me, and, and just a, a lovely, lovely man to train for. And so we're, we're going to have a, tr- a crack with this horse at the, the the Goodwood, are we in in uh, in May? Yeah, that's the plan. Um, it's certainly um, you know shaping up as a, as a good race for him at the way one yesterday, and um, he's uh, it's like a set weight kind of penalty race now. They introduced that a while while back and. Um, now he's at that level. Um, the conditions really suit him. So, so yeah, certainly, um, uh, yeah, he's going to have a good crack at, at winning a winning a Group One. Just, um, just to expand, Richard. On uh, you said you were training for Nev for eighteen years. How did the association come about? Um, he, I was sent a horse from Victoria, which Nev had a 
had a share in. It was a horse called Satin Spin and um, uh, came over from Victoria. Basically, it wasn't quite up to, to Metropolitan uh, Victoria, so they sent it to Adelaide and, and end up winning, I think it won five races in a row over here with me and just through that through that horse, Nev had, a, I think, a third share in it and um, and uh, obviously, um, you know, after a few phone calls, we got to know, know each other and... Uh, um, after the horse, you know, came out and, and was successful, Nev um, just said, "I'll go and buy me a yearling." And uh, and basically, um, I think the first yearling I bought was a mare called the Gem, which um, she, I think she was stakes placed and won a few in Melbourne. And and yeah, the association just just started from there. Another horse that uh, I'm pretty sure Nev owns. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this two-year-old called Caracasu? Your opinion of Caracasu? Yeah, he's a really nice horse. He um, he's always showing um, nice ability. He's probably a bit unlucky his first start to get beat, and then he's uh, made amends for that and won one second up. He's um, he's going to run in the in the Breeders' Stakes here next mm. week, um, and then probably possibly go to our our size produce. Uh, but yeah, he's an he's an exciting horse for for us and Nev. Certainly is. Congratulations on yesterday and, um, well, I suppose uh, continued good success. Your big races are coming up with uh, Kemal Passer and Karakasu. Thanks for your time this morning. No worries. Thanks very much. There he is, Richard Jolly, joining us and, of course, mentioning Morfordville next week. We've got the, the Chairman's Stakes, a lead-up for the Derby, the Breeders, which is uh, Karakasu's target, also the City of Adelaide Handicap, a feature, and also the Nishiki Stakes. And we're at Doombin next Saturday for the Princess Stakes, where... Hopefully we'll see Tycoon Evie in action again. Also the Tales of the McDip and there are our listed features next Saturday. Well, I've enjoyed the last hour. Have you? Uh, I have. Um, We've just a, time too. Just a little bit of news here too, just quickly. Tom Dabinick mm. uh, just texted me. Sosie Bond, uh, the enigmatic, or well, maybe not quite so enigmatic these days, but one obviously in Melbourne yesterday, uh, planning to come to uh, Queensland to run in the Kingston Smith and then in the Stradbroke. So Good couple news. him in with uh, the Peter Reading Natoya. There'll be some uh, some really quirky horses up there, uh, up up in Queensland during the carnival, won't there? And the horse who Sosie Bond beat, Mr Quickie, is going to be kept fresh for the Stradbroke as well. So all of these races are all going well. Now, find me some news for tomorrow in press room. <laughs> I've, I've, I'm going to have an easy afternoon. I'm going to take the afternoon off and not do any work. So hey, I'm relying on you. How did, I, how did I go today? Was I all right? Am I any chance of being invited back you, in like you, four years or something? You or? did very well. Uh, something for the battlers. Well. Okay. Good on you, mate. Ben Dory's joining us this morning. And thanks for your company, most importantly, here on uh, Pass the Post and look forward to being with you again next Sunday and I look forward to your company tomorrow morning on Press Room. Until then, bye-bye.